Hebrews chapter 12, the verse 4. Verse 4, Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Battling unto blood is our subject this morning. In this verse that we're looking at, there is a reminder here of the intensity of the Christian warfare, that it's difficult, and that there has to be resistance always, even if necessary, unto blood. Now, there are four things in this text that I want to consider with you. First of all, there are the actions that are described. Resist. Strive against. And then secondly, there is the object of those actions. To resist and strive against sin. Sin's the enemy. And then thirdly, there is the continuance of those actions, even unto blood. And then fourthly, there is a negative, because all of this is put in a negative form by the apostle. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now the two actions that are described, first of all, Resist, strive against. These are similar actions and they are related and they're setting forth conflict, warfare, strife, battle. They're they're military terms. These imply that the Christian is not just passive, suffering and taking it. But the Christian is also active, striving, fighting, battling, reaching out. In other words, Paul is reminding us the Christian is a soldier. This is the language of a soldier, to strive and to resist the enemy. Paul, you remember, said, endure hardness to Timothy as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He said also to Timothy that you are to war a good warfare. You're to be a battler. You're to be resistant against sin. And so that's the image in Paul's mind here. Now you must remember that no image is perfect. There are many images of a Christian And not one of them is is perfect. It's only partially true. We can't take an image to every extent, literally. Uh, For example, the image of believers as sheep is a good image, and it's a biblical image, and you meet it often in the Bible. But that only conveys part of the truth. Christians are sheep. Sheep don't look like they're soldiers. Sheep are harmless. Sheep don't resist. Sheep don't fight back. They go as sheep to the slaughter. They are silent and dumb. They don't fight back. Christians turn the other cheek because they have the meekness of sheep. They suffer 
They suffer joyfully the spoiling of their goods. And don't try to retain them. Because they're sheep. They endure this suffering. And they're, they're passive in it. As the Lord Jesus Christ has told us. He says, I say unto you, and there's no greater authority than that, I say unto you that you do not resist evil. Don't resist evil. And yet Paul says, resist. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. The Lord is telling us we don't fight the way the world fights. We're not the kind of soldiers that the world has. We don't use violence. We don't fight back. We don't resist evil in that sense. Oh, you know, we get the cuffs and the fists out and we'll show them. No, the Lord says we're not to do that. As far as the persons of men and our neighbors are concerned, we're not to fight with them violently. In one sense, then, Christians are not resistors and not strivers against in the sense of Physical violence. What Paul is saying here is not justifying violence by Christians when he says resist and strive against. He's not talking about violence. We're sheep. We suffer violence even unto blood, but we don't give it. And the blood in the text is not the blood of others, it's our own blood. So we don't resist unto the blood of our enemies. We resist unto our blood. Just ours. And we're not in the business of shedding the blood of others. Here he doesn't see the image of a sheep so much. Though that is in the back of his mind because he's not saying that we should be valid. But he's talking about resisting and fighting and striving against sin unto blood. Our own blood. This is a strange soldier, isn't it? A soldier who dies, who is prepared to shed his own blood, and yet not prepared to shed the blood of others. That's a strange soldier. That's the Christian soldier. That's the child of God. Just like the Saviour himself. Did the Saviour shed any blood? Just his own. He didn't resist evil. He let them take him and crucify him and nail them to a tree. He endured as a good soldier. He resisted, but not physically. And violently, certainly not. He pictures this. He never offered violence once. But yet the Christian is a soldier. And again, that's an an imperfect image because... Christian soldiers don't kill and shed the blood of others. Not a soldier, as I said, in the, in the world sense, in the carnal sense. But a soldier in the spiritual sense, a soldier in the kingdom of God. Paul said, we walk in the flesh. And that's true. We're in this body. And we have carnal things to engage in as those in the body. But our warfare is not a carnal warfare. Because Paul says we don't war after the flesh. There's no way. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not for the flesh. In fact, the flesh 
of the ungodly wouldn't even use these weapons of our warfare, which is prayer and the word of God. And by that we cast down imaginations and every high thing. And by that, by prayer and by the word of God, we resist and strive. And we put on the whole armour of God, which is not fleshly or physical, but spiritual. And by this we resist and strive. Now these two words are similar, but they are not the same. There is a progression in them. To resist is to oppose, as to strive is as well, but it is to oppose in the sense that you stand your ground. You keep your ground. Someone's pushing against you. The devil's pushing against you. You keep your ground. You give resistance. You don't lose ground. You don't lose out with God. You don't let the devil push you back from walking with God. You don't let the devil push you back from doing that which is right. You stand your ground in walking with God. And in doing that which is right, you resist. The people of God are to resist, to not lose ground, to not be forced back. Isn't this the danger of the Hebrews? About going back? About forsaking the race? About retreating? About stop going into the assembly, to the meetings? Stop praying? Is the danger to lose the ground? And Paul says you have to resist. Dig your feet in. Be stubborn. Be unmovable. And the Bible uses some of these words that I have said to describe this very thing as Christian resistance. Be ye steadfast, unmovable. Remember Paul said to the Colossians, continue in the faith, grounded, settled. Don't be moved away from the hope. That's resistance. That no man be moved by these afflictions, he said to the Thessalonians. Because it's not only sin can move us, it's afflictions can move us too. But we must not be moved. And we have to keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. These Hebrews are always in danger of this being moved and going back. There must be resistance to prevent this slide. But not only is there resistance on the digging in and the steadfast unmovableness, there's also the striving against, and that's more the going forward. That's making ground. That's advancing and pushing the enemy back. Strive against. Uh, that's more in this image. Of going forward. How the Lord says speak unto the children of Israel. That they go forward. Uh, sitting in the trenches isn't an alternative. Yes we are to be steadfast and unmovable. But there's an aspect where we are to advance. And take ground. 
from sin. We are to make him lose ground. You see, the church is attacking Satan's kingdom. That's the way it is, or it ought to be. He's losing the ground. His kingdom is to fall. The weapons of our warfare are such, not just that we defend our own little domain, but the weapons of our warfare are such that we pull down his strongholds, that we bring down all the imaginations of the wicked, of philosophy and of error. We bring it down by the word of God. That's the nature of the church. Satan's kingdom is to fall, not the church. Satan's resistance is to weaken as the word of God and the truth of God advances and it's striving that accomplishes that. Paul describes the end of his life. I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You will observe that he says here, not only that he fought, but that he advanced on the course to the end. It was always going forward and never going backward. But Paul, he didn't fight and stay in the same place. He got holier. He got more godly. He got more victorious. Listen to Jesus. He says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do you see the picture there? He's not talking about the gates of the church. I'll build my church and the gates of the church, hell won't prevail against the gates of the church. No, that's not what he says. He says, I'm building my church. I'm building it bigger. It's growing. It's spreading. It's advancing. The gates of hell will not stand against it. Satan's resistance will weaken. Satan's kingdom will fall. His gates are the gates that are giving way. He is the one who is retreating before the advance of the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. It's his fortress that is in danger of caving in and not the kingdom of Christ, which he builds. Because he builds it. It cannot be broken down. So Christians are to go forward and advance. The actions to resist, to strive against. But then secondly, the object of those actions. Resisting what? Striving against what? Well, Paul sets it in one word, doesn't he? Against sin. That's the word he picks. That's the thing that he chooses to say. Sin. Now this does not mean that you don't oppose Satan and sinners. To oppose sin, you have to oppose Satan. 
because he is the source of sin. This implies that we resist Satan and the demons because sin came by Satan and sin continues in the world by Satan's force and deception. He is the father of sin even as he is the father of lies. So we can't resist and strive against sin and not be resisting and striving against Satan himself. It's implied in the word. And we are to resist Satan. And the Bible says that. Resist the devil, James says, and he will flee from you. He'll lose the ground, but you have to resist manfully with the word of God and stand by the scriptures. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lamb, seeketh to devour. Whom resists? Steadfast in the faith of the word of God. Resist Satan. Now you must remember when he flees and loses ground, however, he comes back again. The devil always comes back again. He always tries to regain ground again. He never gives up. In a sense, he strives on to blood as well. He's full of zeal, wicked, malicious zeal, and the energy of hell itself. He resists, surely. And he comes back again. He never gives up. Remember Jesus said, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Is that the end of him? Is he going to just stay out there in the dry places? No. He says to himself, I'll return again. I'll go back again to that house. I'll see if I can go any further in it. I'll try again. He never gives up. I'll return. And Satan always returns. So we always have to resist even unto blood. Satan, if he does retreat and flee, he only departs for a season. He will come back again, child of God. Maybe with the same thing. Or perhaps with something different. A new arsenal whereby to assault you. But he'll come back again. You remember concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season, the Bible says. Just for a season. He even returned again to our dear Lord to batter his armor once more. So it also implies that we oppose Satan's tools. Sinners. Wicked sinners who are duped by him and blinded by him and deluded by him his foot soldiers the idolaters and the deceivers the priests of Baal, the blasphemers the wicked and the abominable, the bringer in of liberal, anti-God's word ideas and philosophies as laws over us the tools of the devil the terrorists and the criminals and the perverts and the abortionists. We are to resist sinners too. Not by violence again, I remind you, but to be resisted by being prayed against all the wickedness 
and to especially pray for their salvation and their conversion because we're always recognizing they're just the blinded foot soldiers of the devil as once we ourselves were. So while we pray against them, we do so with the spirit of mercy and grace that desires their salvation. But nevertheless, they must be strived against. Remember Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul, but there was a saucer there, a wicked man, Elymas, and he sought to turn the deputy away from the faith which he was inclining to words. And Saul, with the weapons of spiritual warfare, as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, he said, O oh, full of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And that's what we have to say to them. Will you not cease to pervert the right ways of God? This is against God. This is against his truth. You can expect the hand of the Lord to be against you. And I'll pray that the hand of the Lord will be against you. And you'll know that the hand of the Lord is against you. That's what we do. We pray. We pray and we give the word. And God does the work. And if there are acts of violence, it's God who does those acts of violence. Giving on to them his fiery arrows and burning coals of juniper, as we saw in Psalm 120. However, Paul does not use the word Satan here, and he does not use the word sinners here, though that is implied. He uses the word sin, because the devil is resisted because of sin, and sinners are resisted because of sin. It's nothing to do with their persons. It's because of the sin business that they have become identified with. The opposition is an opposition of by means of God's word. Quoting and using it, exposing sin and denouncing sin by it. And as I said, seeking the deliverance of sinners. Now, now we love sinners in the sense with the love of benevolence where we wish them to know the kindness of God and the salvation of God. We don't love them in the sense of justifying them in their wicked deeds, but rather resist and impose them as others we oppose for their sinfulness. We, we must be careful not to hate people in a wicked way. Yet we can't hate them in a biblical way. We must distinguish. Christians must guard against loving sinners too much. You can love sinners too much, you know, in a way that is displeasing to God. We can never love what they are or what they have become and what they have made themselves against God. 
David even said the following, and it's very strong stuff. We, we don't even hear it quoted very much, certainly not in liberal churches. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? Am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. That's the kind of hatred you have to have, you see. I count them mine enemies. What kind of hatred is that? Not a devilish wicked hatred. But the same hatred with, wherewith I hate myself when I sin. Have you ever hated yourself? We read Job this morning. He hated himself. I abhor myself. What does a sinner do? He smites on his breast. He beats himself. God be merciful to me, the sinner. I'm a sinner who should be smitten. I abhor myself. So we abhor ourselves and we smite on our own breasts and we say to ourselves, woe is me. Before we dare say woe to the sinner, we say to ourselves, woe is me. So we hate ourselves and yet we love ourselves in the same and we desire to repent and to experience the forgiveness of God all the while that we hate ourselves and ask the Lord to give us new hearts. I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. It's in that sense that we hate sinners. You know, you talk, you hear about hate crimes and all of this and that, but there is a biblical sense in which you can hate sinners in the same sense that you hate yourself when you sin. And you don't do harm to yourself. And you're not going to, you know, punish yourself or do violence to yourself. But you repent. This is what we deserve. Not the destruction and the harm of sinners. But to cease what they are. And become what God can make them in his grace. So we hate them no more than we hate ourselves. Our fight is with sin. Sin in ourselves and sin in others. That's why Paul uses this word. Especially sin in ourselves, he's thinking about our own depravity. We are to strive against all sin, every sin. The little sins, the respectable sins. But as I thought on this verse, I wondered, does Paul have any particular sin in mind? He doesn't say sins. He says, sin, is is there something in particular in his mind? Is there one sin in the context of the epistle to the Hebrews that might especially come into prominence as he speaks and addresses the flock? And I think there is. And it is the great sin of not resisting unto The great sin of not continuing against sin. The sin of leaving the faith. The sin of abandoning Christ. The sin of turning your back on the warfare. The sin of giving up. The sin of going back. The sin of turning away from the Lord altogether. And the giving up of the struggle. And that brings us to our third point which is 
that there is to be the continuance of these actions onto blood. And that's full resistance, that's unshakable, unmovable resistance onto the end. To resist onto blood is to die. If necessary, resisting. The blood is the life of a man. And to have to share it is to give it up to die. And Christians have to resist to that very moment. And not even at that moment cease the struggle to save their life. This is what Paul means. Later on, not as the time that Paul wrote, because he says you haven't resisted unto blood yet, you're not martyrs yet. Later on, the Caesars and the Roman Empire began to bring in laws, especially against Christianity. And the doctrine of the church empire was that Caesar is Lord in the sense of the most supreme Lord, the high Lord, God even. And Christians had to confess that. They had to say Caesar is Lord. And this was one of the tests to, to root out the Christians. Say Caesar is Lord. And Christians in conscience could not do that. And that meant that they were slain. They resisted unto the end. They wouldn't deny Christ. Now there were some who didn't resist unto blood. And who did deny Christ. And who did say Caesar is Lord. However got their conscience around it. They did so. But that's not right. You have to resist unto blood. Those days are coming back again perhaps. I can see it in the, in the way society is going. And how people are being made to think. Something like the way people were made to think in Nazi Germany against the Jews to be looked upon as the veil and the outcasts and the problem in society. And society has been manipulated by the God of this world to set Christians as the problem in a progressive society and to bring in the implementation of the machinery to deal with that. And it's, it's advancing. It's progressing. And we may have to resist unto blood in a day to come. And so at that point of trial, they cannot cease resisting. All their lives they resisted. But now at the point of shedding their blood, will they cease? That's the sin that Paul has in mind, to cease resisting sin. To go away from the battle altogether. You see all sin tends to drive us from the Lord. That's the tendency of sin and Satan. And when you see striving against sin. That's what happens. You've left the Lord and you've left the fight. You either turn your back to God. Or you turn your back to sin. There's no middle ground. There isn't. There's one or the other. Resisting on the, blood, on the blood against sin always. Or just turning your back on God. And giving in to it all. And committing it all. Carrying it all out. It's to conflict to the end. Even if the end is blood. 
So the Christian resists sin. He may do it poorly and feebly. He may do it very imperfectly. He may do it with defeats and with reversals. He might be at times, as we all are, very poor soldiers. But we're in the battle. And we're giving some kind of resistance to sin. Because we love the Lord. And we want to follow the Lord. And Paul puts it in the negative like this finally. As a gentle rebuke. You have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. You're complaining you Hebrews. You're stopping going to the assembly already. You're thinking of going back because you've had a few difficulties. You do want to be seen to be a Christian. You're fainting. You're weary. You've run with a footman. And that has wearied you out. And you're about to go back. What are you going to do when the executions start? The executions sort the true from the false and the real from the fake. What are you going to do then? When they start to crucify you, when they start to, as we saw at the end of Hebrews 11, torture you and stone you and saw you asunder and persecute you and chase you into the mountains and caves and the dens of the earth so that you're forced to die there with hunger. What will you do when they put you into the flame and throw you to the lions and dress you up to face the gladiators? What will you do then? You have not implies others have, you see. These ones in Hebrews 11. They resisted unto blood. Jesus Christ himself. He endured hardness. He resisted unto the shedding of his own blood. But you haven't done that yet. And you're about to give up. Because you get a wee bit of difficulty. A hard time. Is it any wonder Paul has to say to Timothy. Endure hardness. As a good soldier. As Jesus Christ did. So let us all as the people of God. Continue in our resistance. Continue the battle. Brethren and sisters. Continue the strife. Keep at it. That's what I have to say to you every week. Keep at it. Keep on the course. Keep on the journey. Resist. And continue the fight. And keep up the strife and if you're defeated repent and rise up again but keep looking on to Jesus continuing even on to blood if necessary